What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I'm your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, what's up, y'all? Okay, so on today's episode, we're a little late, but this event was... No worries. Hey, things happen. This is just the way it works. I probably would have put it out late anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think this... um, this topic, this event was important enough, big enough where we still really wanted to talk about it. And that was UFC 279, which originally was Nate Diaz versus Kamzat Chemaev. That ended up being Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson as the headliner. Why? I'm sure everybody knows by now. But what ended up happening was we had four people miss weight. And during all those weight misses, um, some of those fights got shuffled around, particularly the main event, because the commission just wasn't going to let Shamaya fight. I think he officially came in like uh, eight pounds over. I think they called it officially. But technically, it was nine pounds or nine and some change over. But because they give you a one pound allowance, they don't count that as being over, which makes it, you know, eight something. And uh, so within that shuffle, we ended up getting Nate Diaz versus Ferguson. I think Ferguson was originally supposed to fight um, the leech. I believe Uh, that's go ahead. One thing I did want to say is Mm -hmm. I originally had also said that D rod had missed weight, but I guess D rod was originally set for a catch weight. Ah, okay. So he was always supposed to come in at 180, which makes sense why Kevin Holland was more willing to take the catchweight fight because he did. He has came down from middleweight recently, but that actually makes makes me feel better because D Rod's my my guy. And then when he missed weight, I was like, "Man, really? (laughs) Really makes sense." So yeah, we had that shuffle that happened, and I think it produced some um some pretty good fights. Um, and I want to kick it off. I actually want to start more talent toward the bottom of the list. So I want to go over a couple of the fights that, um, you know, some great things happen or some exciting fights or whatever. And I actually have three here on my list. We don't have to, I'm sorry. I have five on my list. We don't have to talk about all five. I'm going to throw them out first and I'll let you tackle whichever one you want to tackle. I do want to save the Nate Diaz fight and the Kamzat Shamaya fight for the last two only because there's a few other things I want to, you know, roles I want to take off of those fights. But uh, the Chris Barnett versus Jake Collier fight, Johnny Walker versus uh, Ian, I do not know how to pronounce his last name, and uh, Irene Aldana. Yeah, what you said. (laughs) Just call him the Hulk. (laughs) Irene Aldana versus uh, Macy. So, those were the three fights outside of the the main two fights that I wanted to throw out there, but I want to throw it to you first. Um, all of these fights 
on this list, all five ended in some type of stoppage. But I wanted to throw it out to you to see uh, just your opinion on it. I think, Pick I think it was a, <laughs> Well, I think it was a great night of fights. And I think it was a risky night of fights to where it, it could have easily been a dud card. Um, and I think like, for example, Johnny Walker, he's got one of these, uh, a history of sometimes being a superstar, sometimes looking a little rough, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, I think he came up and really delivered and looked like the potential superstar that we all originally hoped he'd be. Uh, the Hulk is not a top, top guy, but he's a, a tough out for sure. Um, and I thought he looked impressive and I think Dana really, uh, well, he didn't get he didn't get by because it cost him a bunch of extra money, but a risky night of fights came out pretty successful. And I uh, I like all those fights you mentioned. Um, but yeah, I think the one that was a big standout was the Johnny Walker fight. Uh, even though he's a bit of a goof, I'm a Johnny Walker fan, and it's uh, I think the light heavyweight division is a better division, like him or hate him, when he's at least you know making some noise in in the top ten. He's definitely a goofy guy, but, you know, I put myself in the category of that kind of silly, goofy guy. And, of course, you know, I never got the full story of what happened, how he got through out of the event or whatever. But afterwards, he made, like, these TikTok videos and stuff, like, replaying it. But, like, he's at home or at somebody's house, and he got on his fight shorts and everything and no shirt. And then they throw him out, and then once they throw him out, they throw their his bag at him. It was it was hilarious. And of course it was all in Portuguese, so I didn't understand a word of it, but it was still funny nonetheless. But yeah, I thought that was a um thought that was a good fight. It was a good win, you know, to get him back into the win column over a very good solid opponent. Um I definitely think uh Ian still has a, a lot left in him. It wasn't one of those um even though it was a quick loss, I don't think it was a shameful loss, if that makes sense. Um, the um, Irene Aldana fight, that one was very interesting with the uh, the up kick to the liver KO. I'm not sure that I've ever seen that before. There's been a few up kick KOs. Um, of course, um, back in the day, um, and I forget who it was against now, but Anderson had one. Uh, and I'm trying. I don't remember who Anderson it was had a liver kick win. No. Oh no, up, up kick. It up was Yushin Okami. Yeah, back. Was it? Okay. You're probably I right. I believe yeah. so. Yeah, that sounds about right. But um, you know, you don't rumble see in too the many. rock in Hawaii. I think. I know it and, was before uh, he was in the UFC because it was legal for him to do that over there. Because technically, his opponent, if I'm not mistaken, had like one knee down or something like that. But uh, you know different rooms. yeah it was yushin yushin okami okami yeah so but a a liver kick with the heel uh you know to an opponent while you're down that, that was pretty impressive i like that one and the chris barnett fight um i was surprised those big boys had that much energy i know it ended in the second round but they were really banging it wasn't the most uh <laughs> It wasn't the crispiest fight, but it was a At fun, all. exciting fight. <laughs> but I will say this. Um, well, I think I, that's kind of par mm -hmm. for the course for the heavyweight division, though. 
Like you have two ways to you have two ways to go about this. If you are a UFC heavyweight, you can look. If you are technical, if you're Ciro gone, um, you know, if you're Junior Dos Santos in his prime, that's a distinct advantage. Or there's option B, which is you know, world star, and go out there and uh, let them hands go and shut. Yeah, this I guess this is a thing though, especially what I see heavyweight, you know, and I think we talked about this on a recent podcast. Not sure if it's one that came out already or not, but we kind of talked about what was going on in the heavyweight division and the skill level that it's at right now, and it might be the most impressive in the UFC, you know, ever. Um it's like a a, a brand new heyday of heavyweights. So when I see that and then I see this fight, it's once again, I liked the fight. It was a it was a fun fight, but you know I'm used to a lot of the heavyweights now. At least one guy from you know the two coming in where it's a little bit more skill instead of just throwing sloppy haymakers. But that said, um, I actually like Chris Barnett, but I think um, I really want to see him do something completely different. I don't know if he needs to change camps. I don't know, but he's a really big dude, um, but he's only 5'9", and he has the cardio, but I don't think that he has the style that really fits in heavyweight. I think he's really going to end up getting himself hurt, and for anybody that's paying attention to him, he has the same exact issue that DC um, had during his career that John Jones capitalized on. He always throws punches or try to evade and leans forward to the right. He always does that. And I'm not sure like why, or, you know, and I think it's, it's his way of not getting hit as he's fighting some of these giants. Um, But I just, I don't think it's the right path. I think he gets hit a little bit too much. Um, The problem is when you're a guy, his size, what else do you do? I would say go down and wait, but it's like uh, he for for this not to be an issue, he would have to drop a significant amount of weight because I think his issue would still be his issue at 205, right? And you can't expect a guy that misses weight at 265 to go down to 185, right? <laughs> so it's like, you know, what do you do? It's, um, you know, but it was a good fun fight, but uh. I think uh, it, Chris Barnett um, probably need to look at some alternatives because I don't know how long he's going to be able to stay in the UFC with the the style that he has at that weight class. So I, I agree 100%, and, and I do like Barnett, but I just don't know that with that approach and his size that it's going to go well in the heavyweight division in the UFC. Now, I'm not saying he's not a talented fighter and he can't be successful out there. I just don't know against the best heavyweights in the world, is it? And maybe it is. Maybe he could change some things. I don't know. Just a, the, the Wikipedia has his fight team as Barnett Taekwondo Academy. So, I mean, I think, you know, that could be step one. Yeah. Getting to a better um, camp. I mean... 205 should be doable, right? And we see he hits hard. Um, and he's fairly fast at heavyweight. And I think one thing one thing that a lot of these guys miss when they go from heavyweight down to, you know, light heavyweight is all of a sudden they're too slow. 
I don't think he'd be able I don't think he'd have that issue. You know, I think he's pretty explosive. And and that could be something, but um I know his his wife recently passed and uh, you know he just he just lost twenty percent of his purse. So yeah. I don't know that the UFC is, but I wish him the best. And I tell you what, he was losing that fight badly and he looked pretty physically damaged. And he came back and won and there's something to that. Right. And yeah. And I'm not saying that Jake Collier is the, the best of the best of the cream of the crop, but he probably should have beat Barnett and uh, you know, to move in the right direction. So I, I wish him the best. His last thing I do is talk shit about Chris Barnett, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't see a whole lot of success at that division. I'd like to see him prove me wrong, though. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And the thing is, it's not even that I don't think he's not skilled. It's the style, right? To me, it's his style because I do think he's a skilled guy, but I think some of the sloppiness comes from, you know, when you're a, a short, um, you know, a short heavyweight, it's it's difficult. And, I mean, we look at Daniel Cormier, he's a short heavyweight. And, but he always had this thing where people still gave him a lot of respect because of his wrestling. And we know he would launch a heavyweight across the ring just like he would a light heavyweight. So he always had a certain amount of respect there that allowed him some of those inches to get in on guys or do different things like that. And then I think a lot of his style was a, a good enough approach where he could mix well in between striking, wrestling, and everything like that. And because he was so good, very few people could capitalize on the issue that he had. It, you know, it took a specimen like John Jones to do it. And even after that, you know, people couldn't capitalize on it. I just don't put a Barnett in that category. And, you know, um, as I talk about, if it's a, if it's a fighter, especially kind of a up and coming fighter, which I would say he's still up and coming. And I really don't see any paths to you getting to that upper echelon. And your style is one of those styles where you really can get hurt. I just look at what can change to, you know, fix that issue. And, you know, that's why I threw out there. Is it a camp? Is it a different weight class? Like something has to change because I just don't think that's the path, even though he got a W out of that, you know? Yeah. Um, and this is going to be very tooting our own horn, but we have been talking about Melvin Manhoof a lot lately, but mm -hmm. what, one thing that you can consider is, you know, we talked about DC and the similarities in body type, but like you said, if, if DC gets in close, he has a very different weapon than what Barnett is bringing to the table. Now that right. don't mean Barnett don't have a weapon when he gets in close, but it's not wrestling. And that's something that's conducive to that size. So, yep. you know, an, another guy is, uh, Mike Tyson. And I know Mike Tyson is not a trainer or whatever, but that kind of style of a short heavyweight that has to get inside to strike. Cause DC is getting inside to grapple, you know? Yep. So, you know, something like that can maybe work. Um, I like to say try for 205, 
But you'd be surprised sometimes by these big guys that look like you think they should be able to lose however much. <clears throat> but they they kind of hit that, uh, you know, hit that wall around 220. Like, some of it is just body type. I understand a lot of it is, you know, losable. But some of that is body type, too. And and I don't know how how, how low he could really get down. Yeah, I agree. And that was kind of the... the the um, point I was saying too, when you miss weight at 265, it's hard for me to tell you to go to a lower weight class. I may say get in better shape at heavyweight and change your camp, you know, get a few more tools, but it's hard to say drop weight if you're missing 265. But I think this is also another one of those things where, and it's been said through the years, I, I think at some point the UFC really should adapt, adopt a, uh, a 220, 225 class, I think it would be one of the most exciting classes in 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 all of mixed martial arts. And the reason why I say that is because that's about what most of these 205ers walk around at anyway. But take a lot of those 205ers and make them not have to cut weight. Um, we don't know. Maybe the DC John Jones fights are different at 220. Right. Well, because I think DC John Jones fights are a little different at heavyweight than they are at light heavyweight. So why wouldn't they be at 225? I agree. I agree. And so when I look at something like that, if we had that, then I could easily say, yeah, Barnett needs to get down to 220, 225. And does John Jones, do we automatically pencil him in as the potential GOAT at 225? Or is that the exact weight class that Stipe needs to where... As this tweener, he could go in there at 225 and be like, you know, this unstoppable force. And that's a great question because the thing about it is Cipe is one of those examples of why we always need it. Dos Santos is one of those examples of why we always needed it. Kane is one of those examples of why we always needed it. There could have been some other monsters. Your your boy Brendan Schaub. <laughs> there could have been some other monsters there at heavyweight because you have a lot of these heavyweights that are just solid. Listen, you take a guy like, I mean, some of these guys don't really have any fat on them, you know, and they're just really big men and they're heavyweights, right? So I don't think that um, when you have a guy that's kind of almost like bulking up to heavyweight, right? I don't think that he should have to go that far. There should be something else in between where he can fight at that his natural weight class. And we've talked about this before at the lower weight classes. Everybody pretty much has a chance to fight at their natural weight class without giving up too much of a size advantage. They just don't because they want the advantage. But at heavyweight, if you're a natural, a guy that naturally walks around at 220, 225, and you want to fight at that, either you got to bulk up or you're going to be fighting guys that outweigh you by, you know, 50, 60 pounds come fight night because you still have a lot of these guys that actually cut down to 265. Mm-hmm. And you're walking around at 220. And I think Stipe is one of those guys that, um, you know, before tried to bulk up, then tried to lose. He's tried different things, but he's fighting some big boys out there. So I would love to see Stipe up against other guys that are 220, 225, where he really has a chance to let his skills show. 
Well, and by, by now he's a guy that's had, you know, a, a trilogy of wars with DC and a back, you know, two fights against uh, Ngano and shit. So, but if that had been there for a career, like, who knows? Like, he could have went down as possible. I mean, he's still considered, you know, in the all-time list because he's possibly the greatest heavyweight. But you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, but yeah. there's a lot of those guys that, that weight class. Yeah. And Francis perfect. is a great example. Francis is made to be a heavyweight. Yeah. The man has no fat on him. And I think he I think he fights at about 250-something. Just solid. You know what I mean? And now he does. He used to be bigger, right? I'm not sure. Because um, I know he did a few more things when he changed camps. But, you know, it's one of those things. I don't think he cuts down. I think he fights at what he weighs, you know? But he's a, just a naturally big, muscular dude. Um, so, but yeah. But now, <clears throat> I do want to move on to those um, two main fights. And I wanted to leave those for a particular reason. Um, one, I want to talk about the Chimaev. And in particular on this one, I want to talk about the whole glove touch thing. And I want to call out everybody in the MMA community. The reason why I want to call him out, and of course, when I say everybody, I don't literally mean everybody. That's me, 99.9% of them, <laughs> right? And this is the reason why, and I said this in our fight group, I love how everybody picks and chooses based on who they like, what they call out that a fighter does. If you do anything gray area, they say, oh, no, you're a dirty fighter. John Jones with the oblique kicks. They hate John Jones, so he's a dirty fighter. What he's doing is in the rules. He's not getting disqualified for a reason. It's perfectly fine. He's a dirty fighter. You have Chimaev that comes out. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. (laughs) (laughs) You have Chimaev that comes out, and Holland clearly has his hand up to give him play. And Chimaev just shoots in and takes him down. And nobody says anything like it didn't happen. And I think it's complete shit. And I think it's because people like Chimaev so much. You change the person that did that. And all MMA news would be talking about would be this person's a dirty fighter. Did he do something against the rules? No, technically he didn't. The handshake is a gentleman's agreement. Do it or don't do it. But, you know, in my opinion, you know, you're a shit person, in my opinion, when you know this is a gentleman rules type of deal, unless you said up front, which you have some people that do that. I think, uh, what was the, the guy name with the crazy hair? Cody something. They had that Garbrand? weird. No, it was another Cody. He was off the Ultimate Fire too. He had that weird choke where he would do, and I'm sorry for oh. people listening, he would like his palms would be together on a choke and he would push it over like that. I know he's talking about he's an Alaskan lightweight. Yeah. But he would famously when he would get people's attention, because a lot of times you would put your hand up or something and he would say, he would do like this, like no handshake. Right. And somebody else used to do that. If you do that, I'm fine. Great. But you don't wait until a guy puts his hand up and you shoot a double leg on him. I think you're a piece of shit for that personally. Is Cody McKenzie. Yep, that's him. Yep. Yeah, so I thought, 
Yeah, yeah, I thought it was super dirty. And I didn't know, are we pretending like Shamaya ain't a dirty fighter? Because I think he's a dirty fighter. I think he's just kind of embraced it by but trying to play the But people talk about it? That's the difference. Where yeah. was this at? I mean, it was basically almost as if it didn't happen. Even right. in the fight group, if you go to our fight group, not one person mentioned it. I waited a whole week to call it out. Not one person said anything. Change that person, and the first thing I would have saw in the fight group, there's such and such being dirty again. So that that's where I'm kind of pointing it out. Most people didn't talk about it, and even the people that did, it seems like they was forced to talk about it, and they made an excuse for it. Well, you know, you got to protect yourself at all times. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't get why you want to know why people aren't complaining about Kamzat enough, which I get that. Um, it was definitely dirty and it did get the slide. I don't, I want to know why we're not talking about Kevin Holland more. Like this dude seems likable as fuck. If I feel like he's a company man, you know what I mean? He's fucking, he, he's agreeing to arranging cards. He's taking short uh right like he's stepped in on short notice to help set yeah. fight cards and shit like that and he seems like a cool guy he's funny you know he's pretty charismatic like like why is it that we like Kamzat and we're like yeah that's cool that he's fighting dirty in the meantime kevin holland who's just out there doing everything right and just keeps getting grappled the fuck up over it and everybody's like ah eh, beat it nerd <laughs> I definitely like uh, Kevin Holland, and um, I think, you know, a lot of stuff depends on the matchup. I do think he's one of those guys that pretty much will go out there and fight anybody which the UFC likes, but we also know the UFC will take those dudes and use them up, right, and and use them up fast if they can. Um, so luckily for him, he's been on the winning end of a lot of those fights, but if I'm not mistaken in the um, – he ended up mentioning afterwards, and I don't remember if it was like the press conference after or something like that, but he definitely said that he's asking the UFC for a striker next time. And I forget, he actually called out somebody, if I'm not mistaken, but, you know, he said he, he wants a striker. He's one of those guys that, in my opinion, if I'm the UFC, which I'm not, and they're they're way smarter than me. That's why they got billions and billions of dollars. They know what they're doing. But me looking at it, uh, you know, Monday morning quarterback. Um, if I look at a guy like Holland or when I have guys like that and they're really just about the fun fights and everything like that, I don't even put them on the path to a title. I put them on a path to fun fights. And if they look good enough in these fun fights, I have a built-in excuse to give them a title shot once everybody likes them. Which he right? took a fun fight in D-Rod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I think in a lot of those, if you if you take the people down that trajectory, so it depends on to me, and this was my previous knock on comms. It depends on what the person is displaying and saying. If you're saying you'll beat everybody and bring on Ngano, I'm giving you the toughest fights possible because I want to mm -hmm. see if you are who you are. If you're a Diaz brother or some of these other guys that just want to go out there and bang and have fun fights, I'm going to give you fun stand-up fights. Mm -hmm. If if that guy decides to take you down, hell, he just decides to take you down. 
but I'm not giving you the highest caliber fucking wrestler when I know you want to go out there and mix it up and bang and have fun, exciting fights that the people will love, right? You know, until, like I said, let's say you win a bunch of those and we built enough where it makes sense to put you in a title fight. Yeah. And if that guy's a wrestler, hey, that's just what it is. But, you know, I think sometimes they take these these guys and especially when they have certain wrestlers that they're trying to make the name bigger or whatever else and put something impressive on their resume. They know they're going to put them up against a guy like Holland or something like that, that really just aren't going to be able to put up enough of a fight, so to speak, in that department to to do anything, you know, but it raises that wrestler's. Uh, stock and um the funny part about all of this and me saying some of the things that i said about kamzat i actually like kamzat as a fighter i just don't understand and it kind of goes into what you were saying about you know i just don't understand why i expect more out of him i guess that's it uh dc came out and said in so many words, it didn't matter because Kamzat would have taken him down anyway. I agree. He probably would have. He's one of the best wrestlers in the game, but, but we do need to it. See like, that. don't, right. Let me see it. Why do you have to be dirty? <laughs> let let but, me see it. But I, I want to say this too. And, and I hate to blame Kevin. Hot, you know, you're now we're going to victim blame because I think it was a dirty yep, move. You're a victim blamer. But I, we just need to do away with that in general is what I'm saying. So I'm not saying it's Kevin Holland's fault for doing that. I mean, but yeah, the rule is protect yourself or whatever. Let's just cut all that shit out. You know, because some guys are getting crazy anyways where, you know, they're hugging each other and you know what I mean? Like, just cut all that out. You can do it afterwards. But be, And then we'll eliminate the conversation in general. And I would have liked to seen, I would have liked to seen Kamzat have to deal with Holland stand up coming in. I agree. And you actually answered the question that I was going to ask at the end, which was, should you even touch gloves? You know, if I'm a fighter in today's fight game, I'm not touching gloves. I don't care if it's boxing, MMA or whatever. I would be like, we can hug after. Yeah, not even for a dirty reason. Let's just go out there and box. We'll skip that. Let's just do it. Yeah, it it, it just doesn't make sense anymore. And you know, to the point, somebody said this, I don't remember, it might have been DC, it was somebody else that said this, that said, um, you know, that's the reason why would you meet in the middle of the ring for the announcement? You got a chance to touch gloves right then. Get rid of all that touching gloves coming out. You know, I might want to dial you and just run across the ring, you know, and get rid of that shit. Just don't do it. And I hope, you know, because, you know, we got like about 5.5 million listeners right now you know all the mma community (laughs) listens to us so i know all the fighters are listening they need to listen to us and get rid of all that touching glove shit yeah it's just not it it eliminates this whole discussion because yeah it was a dirty move to do but yeah just don't you are supposed to protect yourself at all times so in that sense, Kevin Holland shouldn't have did that. That doesn't mean he didn't get done dirty. And that's fucked up. So yeah, that's the simple answer. Let's just do away with touching gloves, hug afterwards or whatever. And Kevin Holland, in his last six fights, has fought Kamzat, Marvin Vittori, and Derek Brunson. 
Yeah. And those are his only losses. So yeah, they owe him some strikers, man. Yeah. And even the the fight before that was Jacaray. So they're forever trying to throw him out there with some grapplers, man. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And the Jacare fight, uh, that was a spectacular finish, something that was, you know, where the, the being on the ground backfired, right? But in general, I agree. And, you know, last, um, as far as the fights themselves, of course, I want to talk about the Nate Diaz-Tony Ferguson fight, and then I want to get into some matchups. But uh, I want to get your insight. We We didn't have a chance to you know, talk about this at all, um, which most of these fights and most of these podcasts, you know, I'll throw on a topic, but we don't talk about it beforehand. So I'm really interested in knowing uh, your opinion on that whole Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson fight. I, it was a much better fight than Diaz comes out. I feel like Nate Diaz won. He beat Diaz. He beat Dana by taking the shitty fight that he shouldn't have took that he probably couldn't have won. The the heavens fucking, you know, the the war gods seen fit to make a better matchup for him, and that's a much better yeah. fight. As far as actual fight, I was getting nervous, man. It looked like Tony was uh Tony was you know he could have been winning that fight. Like I feel like he had a chance, you know. I I know Nate Diaz likes to uh both the Diaz brothers, they 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 got to stop getting mad when people don't want to fight their exact fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, They're never going to do that. They just get so frustrated. <laughs> you, you're doing something other than what they want, man. And, uh, but outside of that, like, I, I think they both look good. It was a fun fight. Uh, I thought Nate was going to beat him more handily, to be honest. But when he got his hands going, he looked good. I don't know what it is. If he can figure out how to get started a little earlier, he'd be so much more dangerous. I think, um, you know, so much of fighting, and I'm I'm going to go ahead and throw in some BJJ here. <laughs> um, I, I remember recently listening to a clip of uh, Faraz Sahabi speaking with, um, oh, shoot, what is his name? Uh, you know, Gordon Ryan and, and – uh, them trainer uh shoot what is his name how can i forget his name um i'll think of it in a minute but um um he was talking about you know that whole danaher uh that whole danaher death squad had a breakup about a year it's been about a year or two i think they had a big breakup and the team basically split in half and um the the two kind of you know biggest most recognized names in bjj that came out of that was gordon ryan and uh and my boy uh shoot what is his name fighting over in one now um uh i'll think of his name in a minute too he's, he's a much smaller guy gordon ryan is a uh you know a big heavyweight and dana hurt was talking about how even though both of them came up in the exact same system and trained together day after day, year after year, and everything like that, how different their styles are because of their personalities. And he said, Gordon Ryan is real laid back, methodical. And, uh, and I can't believe I can't think of, of my guy's name. Um, 
Oh, it was on the tip of my tongue. But um, he was saying, you know, he he's a wild man. He's going to go out there and try something crazy, spectacular, or whatever else. He doesn't just want to win. He wants to do something impressive or try something he's never uh, done before, right? And I think that's the difference in a lot of these fighters. A lot of times with the Diaz brothers, their personality is so laid back and fuck you and this, down the other. And I think it comes across in the fight. And I think that comes across in the fight. And so what you're seeing a lot of times is their real personality just coming across where it's like, oh, you don't want to do this? Forget you. And then I engage when I want to engage. And then I disengage when I don't want to engage and so on and so forth. Um, And I think Gary Tonin is the person who I couldn't think of. Um, And I think that that is what you're seeing a lot of times. So it's like, even like in this fight where you just walk away for a minute, shake his head and do something. And then he would just turn around and re-engage like really quick. Right. Or, you know, leading up to the fight. I don't know if you saw the video where you saw or somebody had came out and they were in the house and he basically smoked them out in the house and made them sit there because he couldn't pee anymore. And he said, you got to fill it up. So they're just smoking and blowing, you know, <laughs> smoke in his face and everything. And the guy has to sit there. He can't leave till he get all the urine to leave, right? You know, so I think that's what you're seeing in the fight. So I don't think he's a slow starter. I literally think it's his personality, if that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. And, I mean, he's been doing it for 15 years. I get it. It's just, it's when you watch him in the fourth round, once he's found his timing, you're like, damn, he's one of the most best, best boxers I've seen in MMA. When you watch him in your first round, you're like, the fuck is he doing? Yeah. And he's in the that only fight- guy that can fight Ferguson. And you'd say, why is he being weird? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. And that fight too, he ended up saying at the end, and I only noticed because I, I was watching some of the clips for after the fight, when he was in the ring and he was talking to, um, I forget their boxing trainer name. Um, uh, the guy that's been their boxing trainer since forever, but uh, he was talking to you him. You gotta stop trying to say people's names. I know. Hey, so he was talking to the boxing trainer with the white hair, and uh, I was gonna describe people from now on. <laughs> and so, uh, um, most of them that's most of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. See, that, that's why I gotta, <laughs> I gotta think of the name, but um, and um, they were talking, and you know, he was hugging Nate. And he was like, uh, he didn't even try to wrestle you or something like that. And Nate was like, yeah, I was so tired. I didn't even hardly strike during this camp. All I did was wrestle. He's like, and so I was so tired, you know what I mean? And I think him doing that plus his personality and mind games, that's what was coming into play in that fight. But um, I also think his range and because he's still a counter fighter, that's what gave him the edge long, uh, in the end over uh, Ferg. Yeah. Yeah. I can't disagree with any of that. So now we get to do what we do best, which is matchmake. I have on my list four fighters that I would like to know who you think they should fight next. Okay. I have Walker. I have Ferg, I have Holland, and I have Kamzat. And we need to make a fight for their next fights. Hold on. You got Walker, 
Walker, Ferg, Holland, and Kamzat. Okay. Well, you threw that at me like a rock. I should get a... Well, I, I, I did mention what's next. If you go back to our text, <laughs> I said what's next for Kamzat, Ferg, and Holland. So the only person I didn't put on that list was Walker. So technically, I told you, and I have text message proof. I'll put it out there online to our 5 million listeners. <laughs> You're muted right now. You know I don't be reading shit. Like, I've seen UFC 279. Our listeners don't read. Uh, so, I mean, with Holland, you could you could give him the original D-Rod fight, which I, th- I think is a good fight. You could actually do it at welterweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... Um, it, the only problem with that is I really want to see D Rod versus uh Li Jing Liang. You know, I think uh that was a close fight, so I think they should probably get a rematch. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know who you could put Ferg in there against because I know he's making the move to welterweight, but now we got a loss at welterweight too. You know, so so where do we go from there? Would it help you if I gave you all mine first and then you can just tell me no. what you think? Okay. No. So I think maybe uh, with Ferg, you give him uh, Michael Piera. They're both kind of weird, right? That would be the worst fight ever. That'd be the worst fight ever? Yes. Ferg would be spinning around and Piera would be doing flips and nobody would hit each other. It would look like the little spinning tops you would have as a kid that you spin the tops and you try to get them to hit each other, but then they don't. Whereas one hit and they bounce to the opposite sides of wherever you're spinning it at. It, but see, you don't like anime. A lot of anime nerds like MMA. <laughs> so, like, they'll dig that. Like, they'll just be spinning no. in circles, like, for a long time before they even engage. You know, 99.9% of the time you have good fights. I don't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, tell me, oh, Johnny Walker. Uh, yeah, tell me your matchups first. Okay, I got Walker versus Smith, right? Walker's coming off of a win, Smith's coming off of a loss, but before that loss, uh, Anthony Smith, I'm sorry, uh, Smith is so general in MMA. Um, Anthony Smith's coming off of a loss, but before that, he had just put together a good little win streak. So I think that fight would be exciting. Both of them are in that category that we talked about before where they were kind of the up-and-coming Lions. People were expecting, hey, they could be the future of the division. So I think match those two up against each other would be pretty good. Ferg, I want to see the original fight that he was set for, which is the leech, uh, Jing Liang. I would love to see that instead of you know, running back the D-Rod fight. Um, I could see what you mentioned before, going ahead and putting that back with D-Rod and Holland. But for Holland, I actually would like to see him fight Kelvin Gesslem. And this is the reason why. Yes, Gesslem's still a wrestler, but as we know, he barely uses it. And I think it would be a pretty exciting fight because Gesslem's always game to go out there and bang. I think he's going to throw something different and it, we can see what he does against 
big, tall, rangy guys, you know, by looking at all the ones that he's fighting for and some of the ones that he beat. Now, Gesslem's, you know, doesn't have the best record right now over his last few fights, but I think it's still a good fight, an exciting fight, and a name that can get Holland back in the mix. And then finally for Kamzat, I would love to see him fight Polo Costa. They had a little back and forth spat and everything like that. Acosta's now coming off of a win, and I believe Acosta is, is like number five or six. The four or six, depending on what, what list you're looking at, um, at 85. I don't want to see Kamzat back down at 70. We know he's a monster at 70. That's a given, but he's also bigger than every fucking body at 70. I think he should go to a more natural weight class, which is 85. And I think he we throw him right in that, you know, top five or six range. And if he does well, I still think he's primed for a title shot after a fight like that. And now you put him in against the winner of um of uh uh, uh Adesanya and um Pereira. That's 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 what I would love to see. Um and I think him, I think he has a good chance to beat Polo Costa, but I still think it's a dangerous fight, especially with, you know, takedowns. But if he does win, I would much rather see him fight the winner, uh, the, you know, fight for the title there than at 170. So I like those. So I think Kamzat, Kamzat for sure should have to go to middleweight. He lost, you miss weight while you were at the main event of a card and you mm-hmm. acted like an asshole the whole week, you know, you showed up 32 yep. deep and caused 17 fights. Like, no, you got to go fight at middleweight. <laughs> Dana and, saw no problems with any of that, by the way. <laughs> Dana's right. like, leave my cash cow alone. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like the coast to fight. Uh, I'm looking at it. They got him here at six. So I think, um, yeah, if Kamzat is three, at welterweight you move him over to middleweight you know you don't move him to the top five but top 10 that's a good fight so i think you could do that i think i think uh i can see ferg and jorge masvidal i think it'd be a good fight i mean they're both coming I, I off thought about streaks. that one i thought about that one i think masvidal might have a fight but i did that's think what about i was looking up one, but, but i couldn't see i couldn't see a fight yeah. scheduled for him i think that i think that's still just in my opinion, too big of a jump for him at that weight class to really get him settled in. And and let me say this to your point, and I didn't mention this before. I actually thought he looked good at 70. You know, unfortunately, it's the fight game. He came out on the wrong end, and now he just has this crazy losing streak. But I think he looked good. But I, I still think that, you know, based on styles, I don't know that Mass Vidal is the right person to get him that first win at 70 to push him forward. And that's the reason why I mentioned the leech. They were already scheduled, of course, for this event, but I think it's a better matchup for him. See, I don't, I don't like him against the, uh, against the leech. I don't really like that as a fight. What about Michael Chiesa? Michael Chiesa would be a good fight. Wasn't they supposed to fight or didn't they fight at, uh, at 70 before? Did they fight at 70? I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't it seems they like fought. they were supposed to fight or something. 
I mean, Ferg's had some fights cancel, so possibly. Yeah, I think they were supposed to, but I like that one. I'll, I'll take Kiesa. Or, um, and then what about, uh, now I also like Paul Craig against Jamal Hill, but Johnny Walker versus, uh, Paul Craig, I think would be an interesting fight. They're both coming off of a loss, right? But Johnny Walker think, won. What? I'm sorry. Yeah. Johnny Walker was on a losing streak and, and Paul won. Craig was on a winning streak. And come, so it's similar to what I said about uh, Anthony Smith. Um, right. Well, see, we already made the match, though. We already made now. If Paul if we Craig give Jamal, Jamal Hill, Hill, if we yeah. give Jamal Hill Megalmet, then yes. But if we give Jamal Hill the the chance to avenge his loss, and the then grappler he's he taking, needs, yeah, exactly. So it depends. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we you're need right. our I we like, need our board. Just Anthony Anthony Smith. That seems like a tough fight. That's a big jump. I mean, they got Anthony Smith still at five. Yeah, but I think um, I think that is a fight that's still winnable either way, and I think it helps either guy either way. You know what I mean? Because um, I, I think it's a I think it's a good fight for both guys. I don't think it's a um, it's not a give me for either guy, but I think the winner of that gets a, a a nice jump of being in the mix again, so to speak. Whoever comes Ostemir? out the winner of that. Johnny you know, Walker, I, Ostemir. I don't, you know, I haven't, Ostemir hasn't been on my radar for a while, so I'm not sure what he got going on. But, I mean, that seems like a more dangerous fight to me than, um, than Anthony Smith, you know, especially with Ostemir's, the range, he uses it well. Um I'd have to look up. I don't. I don't remember what he had going on late lately. But um, that's a dangerous fight. I'd still be down for it, but I think that's a more dangerous fight than Anthony Smith. Work well. Then we'll go. We'll go with. Uh, most years are pretty good. I like Paula Costa versus Ch- Chimaev. I like Johnny Walker versus Anthony Smith. And then, yeah, Kevin Holland. I I like to see Kevin Holland versus uh. Uh, Lee Jang Liang. I think that'd be interesting. Mm, that's interesting too. I would not be opposed to that one either. And, and I mean, Lee can still take him down, but it's not American wrestling. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Holland's the bigger man, so he may be able to push some of that off. And he's a black right? belt. I mean, it's not like he yeah. can't be on the ground at all. It's just, yeah, it's it's just the, the people wrestling. that don't want to don't want to stand up at all. Yeah. It's that it's that top pressure wrestling, whether it's American or Russian. It's that top pressure wrestling that really gets to guys like a uh, 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 Kevin Holland. Did you see when Nate Diaz called him Kung Lee at the uh, press conference? Yeah, and this is was this is what was funny about that. I don't think I think whoever asked that question took it as disrespect, but I don't think he was meaning to be disrespectful. Right. And then afterwards, you can tell by his response because he could have gave a completely asshole response. But his response to me was kind of like, ah, I, I, I didn't mean it like that. I just really don't know how to pronounce his name like that. You I, know think what I, mean? really, I think he flat out said I didn't mean to do that to him. Yeah. So he wasn't yeah. trying to be a dick. Yeah. Um, but I hate that the reporter did that. You know, it's like yeah. people try to make issues where there's not Ariel. an issue. Was it? 
I, I hope so. it wasn't Ariel. I hope it wasn't Ariel. Um, but Lee Jing Liang did show up with the dope ass suit and learned English because uh, he's ready to do the press conferences and shit. Come out trying to shake hands, not knowing that they're telling him he's got to go backstage because the whole shit's canceled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, I think the USC funny. owes him a co-main event. I think they owe him like a custom tailored suit from whoever does like Dana shit. You know what I mean? Like, no, you got to go to whoever does Bruce but Bruce Buffer suits. He has the right. craziest suits ever. I forget. I think he said he pays something like five thousand a suit or something like that. Which you know, on the grand scheme of things, maybe it's not that expensive. But for me, a guy that would buy like a hundred or like at the most a couple hundred dollar suit and just take it to a tailor, that is ungodly expensive. Matter of fact, I don't even think it's the, I think he pays that much just for the jackets. I was going to say, I go to like K&M and I usually get like two or three for like, they usually have like a, a special. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you just get it. Matter of like fact, K&M usually. Suits for 300 bucks yeah, or some shit. K&M has the tailor there, but you know, it's this tailor um, that I've been going to. Well, this particular spot that does tailoring, I've been going to for years uh, in Dearborn. And, you know, I just get my stuff and I'll take it there and get whatever's needed. And to me, if it's like a million dollars, that's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that pretty much, um, that was all I had. Um, anything else before we wrap this up? Uh the only thing I think it's disappointing we we didn't talk about the D Rod Lee Jing Liang fight at all. I thought I expected more of a banger, but it was still a good uh, strategic stand up fight. I think you know, like neither guy, I don't think either of them was prepared for each other, so there was kind of nobody wanted to make the big mistake. And I think yeah. that's easy to write off as a boring fight. Where I think they were, you know, they were in it the whole time. It was just a little slower pace because it was a lot more uh you know game planning or whatever which under the circumstances is actually smart this is big money but i thought i'm a d-rod fan i was really excited for this fight um i actually liked the holland fight for him i thought that was a good fight where it was win or lose it was good uh i really thought he would look more impressive and to me lee was the winner of the whole day. Like the leech was like the, he's, you know what I mean? Like he, I thought he won that fight. Probably he got screwed over on the whole suit deal, but I think those guys both came out of this, uh, clusterfuck smelling like a rose too. And, uh, they should both, all, all those top six guys, they should get, I mean, because they're all not like top tier fighters necessarily, but like a a good main event on uh you know a fight night or whatever to get to showcase their skill and do the uh, superstar thing because they really step up and save this event. I think there's only one answer here. I think the leech needs to come on Fatboy MMA, and we'll do what the UFC won't do. We'll bring him here to Michigan and get him a nice KNG. Two for 179. <laughs> and I'll take him to Dearborn to get it tailored. Now, he got it. Listen, this is the thing. He got to pay for his way here, back, his home hotel and everything. But the suit, the suit is on us. <laughs> the suit is on us. <laughs> Both of them. 
Right. We'll get them too. You know, we're not cheap around here. I think that's the only answer. <laughs> that's what it is. K and G. You know? Yeah. That's my guys. That's the only answer. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, I agree with everything you said. Um, you know, and I didn't talk about that fight. It, it wasn't I kind of focused on the the kind of the, the stoppages, big wins and things of that sort. And of course that went in the split decision. And to your point, I think he probably did enough to win, but we know how those things go. I don't think it was a robbery. Right. So, um, you know, those, you just have to say, yeah, but, um, it wasn't, a I agree. Idea. I don't think it was a robbery. I just thought, I thought it might've went the other way, but it's, it's a good yeah. fight. Yeah. But I, I think what you said too, it might not be bad to run that fight back where guys actually have a chance to train for each other and see kind of what that fight becomes. Um, but yeah, either way, um, I think there's a couple options for exciting fights for him next because you figure from what we picked, he could fight Holland, he could fight D-Rod again, or he could fight Ferg. I think all of those would be exciting fights with them, him having a chance to train for them. And I think pretty much all of those fights could go either way. Um, so, yeah. Anything else? No, that's it. Well, I'm not going to give Dana the car, the credit. Well done, Nate Diaz. Way to put that card together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, everybody. Of course, you've been listening to another great episode of Fat Boy MMA Podcast. Thank you for listening. Come again. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>